In the name of Jesus, uh, dear friends in Christ, uh, there once was a man named Jim who was a traveling salesman, and he worked a long, hard day in central Texas, knocking on a lot of doors, doing called, cold call um, sales attempts. And he was tired, dog tired by the end of the day. And so he pulled into this little central Texas town. There was only one motel in the city, and he was so hoping they'd have a room for him at the motel because he really needed a good night's rest. He was exhausted. He had a busy day lined up for him the next day. But he got to the desk, and the clerk told him no vacancy. Well, he was bummed. He grabbed his bag and was heading to the door. And before he left the hotel, he heard a voice from the lobby say, uh, Sir, would you stop for a moment? And he did, and he says, I don't mean to be nosy, and I don't need to uh, intrude, but my name is Bill, and I also travel a lot for my work, so I've been where you've been at. I feel for you, and I've got a room here at the hotel. It's a large room. There's two queen beds. There's no reason we couldn't split the cost of the room, and you grab one of the beds tonight if that helps you out. Jim took up Bill on the gracious offer to do that and went upstairs and getting ready for bed. But Bill, the host, got down on his knees right before he went to bed and he said his prayers, which was his evening discipline. And he thanked God for the day and asked the Lord's presence on his sleep uh, and for the next day. And he also mentioned his new roommate, Jim, by name, just asking the Lord's blessing upon his life. That struck Jim, but they went to bed. Next morning, they both had busy days to go get going. But Bill, again, began his day getting down on his knees and praying. And that was, again, his spiritual discipline. And then after a time in prayer, he sat on his bed and opened his Bible and started to do some devotional reading. At this point, Jim, as he was getting ready, said, hey, I, I don't mean to be rude or anything, but you sure seem to like to pray a lot. And you must really be into this Bible God thing. And even though Bill had a very busy day lined up, he saw the Lord opening a window of opportunity to share about his faith. And he took that opportunity. And he said, well, if you got a few minutes, I'd like to tell you what I get out of prayer. And I would show you a couple verses in the Bible that I get something out of. And so they, they had a conversation. They talked about God and life and meaning. Uh, they spent some time in prayer. And by the end of that time in prayer, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jim had received Jesus Christ into his life as Lord and Savior. But now they really needed to get going. It was mid-morning, so both men were in the lobby, uh, shaking hands, nice to meet you, exchanging business cards. And when Jim received the business card of Bill, that gracious host, on Bill's business card it read, William Jennings Bryan, Secretary of State, the United States of America. William Jennings Bryan, by the world standards, had a very important job. He represented Woodrow Wilson as the ambassador of the United States to nations around the world. But that day, William, Bill, realized his most important job was to be in that moment an ambassador for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we conclude our four-week sermon series that we've been on this month, God at Work, Today we're going to look at the concept of how we can boldly live out our faith each and every day in our work. And whatever shape or form that work takes, whether it's working outside the home for a paycheck, whether we're a stay-home mom or dad, whether we're a student. And if you're a student right now, you've got a job. That is your job. Whether you're retired and you're spending your time now volunteering or being a caregiver, we all in our work has an opportunity to be an ambassador for Christ. Now, our new president, Donald Trump, uh, who was inaugurated last month, uh, in the weeks leading up to his inauguration, and certainly subsequently, has had a lot of appointments to make, hasn't he? He's picked his cabinet, he's nominated a justice for a vacancy on the U.S. Supreme Court, and he's got some other appointments to make, too, including a lot of ambassadorships. 
Now, when somebody is appointed as an ambassador representing our country to another nation, now that's a position of dignity, isn't it? And honor and trust. The men and women who serve as an ambassador to a given country, whether it's China or Peru or Turkey, whatever country that is, they represent us. They represent our government. They literally represent the president of the United States to that nation. And ambassadors, as such, are then servants, aren't they? They're not free to develop their own policies, set their own agenda, pursue their own goals. They represent the President of the United States. Now, in a similar way, as believers in Christ, Paul tells us in our text today from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that Pat read, that we are representatives of Jesus. We see in verse 17, Paul gets our attention, the word therefore, take note, if someone is in Christ, as a believer, we're a new creation, the old is gone and the new has come. Therefore, in chapter tw- uh, verse 20 of chapter 5, he says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, his representatives, as though God were making his appeal through us. We have the privilege of representing Jesus the King of kings and the Lord of lords in our lives each and every day as we interact with people in our family, our friends, our neighborhoods, out there in the marketplace of life at Coles and Myers and wherever that might be, at school and as well as in the time that we spend on our jobs. We are his representatives. We're his servants. We're given a mission to be an ambassador for Christ at our work and beyond. Now, speaking of living out the faith, which has been our focus of our sermon series this month, if you think about it, we spend a lot of time at work, don't we? Either work we're presently doing, paid or volunteer. If we're retired, work that we have done. If we're a student, maybe preparing for work that we're going to do. And let's say, for example, one works 40 hours a week. Now, many of us might work more than 40 hours a week, but let's just say for illustration purposes, we work 40 hours a week. You factor in a couple weeks of vacation, and let's say you work 40 hours a week, couple weeks of vacation from age 18 to 65. That means we will log each 97,760 hours of our life at work. How does that make you feel? (laughs) But what we're going to look at today is, because for the person with the average lifespan, that's about a third of our life that we'll spend. What kind of use are we making as Christ's ambassadors for that roughly 98,000 hours that we're going to spend on the job and on the job for him? Because that's a lot of time. It's a good chunk of our life, and we have that opportunity each day, whatever our work is, to live out that faith at and about our vocation. Now, it's been said sometimes increasingly with the pressure there is in society and work, and sometimes it's said it been true of men, but I think it'd be true of men and women overall. We can many times fall into a temptation that we take our work seriously, we work hard, and hopefully most of us each and every day we get up, and hopefully more days than not we enjoy what we do in our work. But there can be a tendency, a dangerous tendency, to become so wrapped up in our work where our work almost becomes an idol, where our sense of self-worth, our value, our whole feeling of importance gets too wrapped up in what we do as a job or a profession. It's okay to identify with work. It's okay to love our work. You know, for example, my wife teaches at a large K-8 school here in Canton, and I would guess there's probably 60, 65 employees there by the time you count the cooks and the teacher aides and the janitors and the teachers. And being an elementary school, it's probably about 90% female in in makeup. So when there is an all-staff with spouse gathering at Christmas or over the summer, it's a big party. 
and most of the spouses that are males. So if I'm there, I may have not met a lot of other men that have been there, or it may have been a couple years since I've been introduced. And when two men shake hands and introduce one another, if it's not the first thing out of our mouth, what is usually the second thing out of our mouth? What do you do for a living? And it's okay. That's a good, safe conversation starter. It's a way to identify and try to connect. And that can be good. But if, if in our life we become too wrapped up and absorbed in what we do for a living, that can cause problems. As a matter of fact, grief experts say as tough as any job loss is at any time, for whatever reason, if someone is too wrapped up in their work, their identity is too closely tied in what they do for a living, the loss of a job can be as devastating in those cases as the loss of a child, a sibling, or a parent. And I think to help us out, Scripture lays out some priorities as we look at living out our faith as his ambassador. And you can almost put it in different tiers. And in the top tier would be what's the most important relationship we have in this life. It's the Lord, right? It's our relationship with the Lord. It's all about Jesus. So that's number one. It's God. Then second is our family. Scripture talks about the importance of family. Whatever age and stage of life we're in and whatever our family may be made up of. You could put friends in that category too. So you got God, and then you got family, and then we've got our work. Then we've got our calling, our vocation, our schooling. And each of these levels, we can live out our faith as an ambassador, sharing the love of God that we know from Him. And that's what we've been focusing on this series in that tier of our life known as work. So, in other words, your job and my job should really be about something ultimately more important than just your job and my job. It's a way to serve God each and every day in what we do in our work to share the good news of what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's a calling. Our vocation as a believer is a Christian vocation. Now, this concept of Christian vocation, living out our faith in our work, paid work, volunteer work and the like, is a very biblical concept. Uh, Because sometimes, as I mentioned in the children's message, sometimes there's a misnomer out there that, well, if I'm going to serve God in my job, I better go work for a congregation and get a paycheck. Or I better go work for some other ministry entity. And if you're called to do it, that's wonderful. But we are called, each and every one of us as believers, to live out our faith no matter what we do. That's our Christian vocation. That's our calling. And Martin Luther talked a lot about the concept of Christian vocation. At the time in which he lived and ministered in the 16th century, uh, the prevailing view among many was that if you worked in the church professionally, you served God. If you studied theology in the university, in Europe that was the top major still at that time, those were the ways that you uh, served God in your work, not otherwise. To that end, Luther said this. He said, the maid who in her job is on her knees sweeping the kitchen floor and cleaning it is doing as much glory to God in her work as the professional church worker, the monk or the priest who's praying or preaching a sermon. And then he went on. He said, the Christian shoemaker does his Christian duty making shoes each and every day. He serves God not by putting little tiny crosses on every pair of shoes he makes, Probably most people won't want crosses on every single pair of shoes they wear. But he serves God by making the best possible shoes you can because God's interested in good craftsmanship. Do it well, do it hard to the glory of God and reflect that love and faith of the Lord. So as I was talking with the kids today, whatever they grow up 
to be someday, whatever we are doing currently, we have a Christian vocation. Whether you're a doctor or a teacher, whether you're a stay-home parent or a CPA or an artist or as the one young man wants to be a video game maker, whether you drive a truck or you're a pastor, we all serve God equally in our work. We just differ in function. We're called to Christian vocation, to live our life in our work, serving God using our gifts to the fullest. Now this concept of living out our faith in our work, our Christian vocation is closely related as well to the biblical concept of the universal priesthood of all believers. Uh, Peter writes in 1 Peter 2.9, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We're all called, we're all chosen to serve him and boldly witness to what he's done for us in our work and beyond. We are all ambassadors of Christ. We're all his priests. We're all his hands and feet at work and beyond. Now, I was recently coming back from seeing my dad in Indiana on my off day, and uh, it was one of those same day and back trips, uh, and it was about 5.30 or so at night, and I was anxious to get home, and the gas tank was running low, so I pulled into a service station, and then the other important tank, my stomach also was running a little low, so not that I was going to find great cuisine or anything, but I was interested in killing two birds with one stone. Get something quick to eat. And lo and behold, as I walked into the service station, they had a little pizza stand within the gas station. Of course, that caught my attention. I thought, well, slice of pizza and a Diet Coke, that could work for dinners. Not the greatest, but it's been done before and it'll be done again. So I went up and got a carton. You know, they had in the, the little warming tray to keep it warm. And I thought, well, say slice of pizza. And instead of saying slice of pizza, said a hunk of pizza. I go, well, what's better than a slice of pizza than a hunk of pizza? So I said, I'm sold. So I got that, got my Diet Coke, had written on it pepperoni and bacon and black uh, ink, and I said, that's a plan, and that's, I'll stop because we're getting into the lunch hour, okay? So I went back to my car, had my, my Coke and my pop, and for some reason I was sitting there, and I don't know why, but I turned over the back of this cardboard pizza container, and on the back it's Hunt Brothers Pizza, they had the mission statement for Hunt Brothers Pizza. It said it's their guiding principle for employees. And it said, at Hunt Brothers Pizza, we place God first in all we do, be a blessing to people, trust God to meet our needs, and strive for excellence in our work reflecting the faith and love of Christ. And I thought, hallelujah, you know? And I said, I was impressed by that. And the pizza, the hunk wasn't bad either, a pizza. Uh, but anyway, we are all called to Christian vocation. And those employees at Hunt Brothers Pizza, whether they drive the ingredient trucks to the local store to deliver them, whether they make the pizzas, whether they sell the pizzas, they're called to serve and reflect the faith and love of the Lord in all that they do. And that's what we're called to do, whatever our work is, as an ambassador for Christ, because we are truly called to a Christian vocation. But in our Christian vocation, we're not called to a Christian vacation. Christian vocation, yes. A Christian vacation, no. That means when we go to work, we don't leave our faith behind. We don't stick it on a shelf. We don't forget about it. We don't compartmentalize it. We don't hide it under a bush. We don't place it on hold till we get back home, whatever our work or volunteer gig is. We take our faith with us as we punch that time card or we sit down at that office or that student desk. 
Now, as in other areas of life, it's not always easy to live out our faith, is it? And be that bold witness, be that ambassador that we might like to be at the office, at the plant, at school, at the caregiving job, or as we work on the road. And there's increasing hostility in the American workplace to expressions of faith. We increasingly live in a secular, humanistic society that often especially wants to squelch any expression of the one true faith. Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Sometimes we're told to keep our beliefs to ourselves at the volunteer work gig or on the job. It's very un-PC to have demonstrable actions often expressed in work about our faith. Sometimes it seems like Christians might be the only group left in American society that it's okay to discriminate and persecute against. But you know what? We've got the Lord. And we have that opportunity to be. We are called to be that bold workplace witness. To be that ambassador for Christ. It's a tough vocational challenge. But that's what we're called to do and be about. From our gospel reading today, from Luke 10, we are familiar with the story of Mary and Martha working hard, preparing for the visit of a good friend. Jesus was coming. And we know Martha. Martha is very task-oriented. She's a hard worker, great work ethic. She clicks those things off the to-do list. But in the midst of all that, seemingly Martha was forgetting about some of the spiritual purposes of her labor, some of the spiritual opportunities that were there. And, you know, it's easy to beat up on Martha. But how many times are we not Martha? in our paid work, in our volunteer work. We're so focused on the task and getting the job done, which is a good thing, that do we ever sometimes also ignore those spiritual opportunities, the spiritual side of our labors to be that ambassador for Christ? How do we live out our faith? How do we then be that ambassador, whatever our work is? How do we do it? Well, it could look like this. Trying to refrain, as Pastor Dave talked about last week, from some of that office and workroom and water cooler backbiting and gossip kind of talk. Stay away from it. It can look like this, praising others, especially when they're struggling. Saying nice things to our coworkers or fellow students at school if they never even say anything nice about us or our work. It can look like this, offering to pray with a coworker who maybe doesn't know the Lord, they're going through a tremendous struggle, and you offer to pray with them or pray for them. And whether they take you up on that offer or not, you're planting some tremendous spiritual seeds. It can look like this, letting the little things at the office or the plant that irritate us so much slide off our backs. Or when we're face-to-face having interaction with that employee, that boss, that coworker, that fellow student at the park, whoever it might be, and they're so irritating and we're really tempted to say and do some things that really don't reflect well on the, amb- the person we represent as an ambassador Try to imagine Jesus literally standing behind that person as you're thinking about what to say. Because in a sense he is. Try to see that person as God sees them, as God sees you and me. Because often, and quite often probably if we're honest, we're that difficult person, aren't we? On the other side of that work equation. It can look like this, admitting our mistakes, being willing to apologize, offering forgiveness to somebody in a work setting where probably nobody else in the office would even consider talking to them again, let alone forgiving them. Being there when somebody goes through some struggles and empathizing and sharing the love and care that Christ has first shown us. That's how we can be an ambassador for Christ at work. 
Now, in the political realm, let's get back to that. It's not easy today being an ambassador representing the President of the United States in our country this day and age. Our ambassadors are threatened with assassination. They're marginalized, often recalled, blown off, and mocked. It's a tough calling. And Christ never said at times either that as his representative, as his ambassadors, that it would always be easy to be his hands and to be his feet to the people we encounter each and every day in our life including those relationships in places of employment. But the good news today is we don't face that calling. We don't face that opportunity, that challenge alone. Wherever we work, wherever we serve, whatever shape or form our work takes, our Lord is there to support us. We've got the support of the Lord. We are not alone. He said to his disciples, he says to you and me today, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, as his ambassadors, we will receive power When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And that includes the offices and the cubicles, the laboratories and the schools, and all the different places we may find ourselves at work. Whether we're active in the paid workforce, whether we're a volunteer, stay-home worker, whether we're a student. Maybe we're retired and we're investing a lot of our time in raising our grandchildren. Whatever stage of life we're at, we're doing some type of work. And we have that opportunity to be Christ's ambassadors at work. As believers, Paul writes again in our text, going now to the beginning part of that text. 2 Corinthians 5.14, the love of Christ, it just compels us. It is to drive us to share, even in the most difficult circumstances sometimes, that love and care of Christ that he has first shown us. To be his ambassador in that realm where we spend about a third of our life one way or the other, our work. And as ambassadors for Christ, we have been clothed. We have been authorized with divine authority, the power to speak that reconciling message of the good news of what Christ has done for us, the King of kings, to be Jesus with skin on to those whom we come into contact with each day. May by the power of the Spirit, those that we rub elbows with, that we work with on a daily basis, vocationally and otherwise, become connected to the Lord. That our jobs and our work would ultimately become about something greater than just being our jobs and our work. That someday we will go to heaven because of what Christ has done for us and our saving faith and trust in what he has done for us. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, influence and help take along the Spirit doing it as many co-workers and employees, clients and customers and bosses as possible. In the name of Jesus, amen.